On this episode of The Art of the Conversation, we have our first guest, Sandra Pabst, who's a native Berliner. She studied law and journalism. She's worked as an editor, later as a spokesperson for a German minister. She now spends her time as a communication consultant, helping companies organize press conferences, do interview training, and everything media-related. Hello, hello. This is Marco Vega. And this is Murphy. And welcome to The Art of the Conversation. It is our new sort of name we're trying out for the time being. It's the least bad so far, I think. So why, why, why did we pick Art of the Conversation? What, uh, what were you thinking? Um, I don't know. I think I came up with it randomly. <laughs> uh, I think I was sitting on the couch. This was like a, a well over a month ago. Um, but yeah, you know, we've been trying to figure out a name for this project. And before we were publishing things as the Marco and Murphy Project. Um, so yeah, I don't know. What For me, what we're trying to capture with the art of the conversation is like both of us feel that conversation and dialogue is very important and that it is it is a skill it's something you have to learn it's not easy it's not easy to communicate with people um and that we want this the essence of this project to kind of be about open communication and challenging assumptions and ideas and bring people on the show to explore that space with us yeah yeah and yeah i think obviously we're on the same page here but but like from my perspective the whole point of the podcast project is to have meaningful conversations about topics that are often difficult to have conversations about. And I think, or dare I say, I feel that there's a lot of spaces where speaking your mind or being afraid of saying the wrong thing is frowned upon. Or, you know, there's certain things you shouldn't say, or dare I say they're not PC to say. And that here on the other conversation, what we want is that the highest value is having a conversation, even disagreeing, but being comfortable with adding something to the marketplace of ideas, so to speak. Yeah, and I think to figure this process out, like you you have to dive into it. Like yeah. you can theorize about it, you can imagine what these conversations would be like, but you have to put yourself into these conversations to see how this dialogue plays out and how to, yeah, to formulate ideas and formulate episodes. And we're in the process of, of learning this. Yeah. And, um, you know, second thing we're learning about is, so, so in this episode, we brought someone onto the show for the first time. Uh, you know, the first three episodes were just you and me having a chat casually. And now we had someone on. How, how was, what was that like for you? Um, that was, that was interesting. Um, I've, I've never interviewed someone for any type of show. That's for sure. Like I've done interviews in a work context, but never, yeah, same. never anything like this. Um, and it was really interesting. You know, you've got, instead of having two people having a conversation, you now have three voices. Um, I would say I have no experience in moderating and kind of how to like craft a conversation and push it um, in certain points. But I thought it was a really good learning experience. Mm. Um, I thought Sandra was fun to be on. She had a lot of things to talk about. She has a lot of work experience. Um, and yeah, it was it was our first dipping our toes in this new water of having a third person on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was really interesting waters. I mean, you know, I've interviewed people in kind of business context and even for like writing a publication and then, you know, editing it later on. 
But to have something live was tricky. And maybe, you know, I have moderated debates where, like, I'm helping two people have a disagreement. But here, you're, like, bringing someone onto the show and there's a sense in which, you know, they, they kind of, you want to get more information from them than necessarily you add onto the table and you know, navigating that. Like, what, when do you interrupt or when do you come in or when do you, like, just let them go on with their, their thought process? Um, it's definitely a lot to learn here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I think it was funny, like, we, before we sat down on the show, we, we got here a few minutes early, and we were talking about, how much do we speak, yeah. you know, having a third person <laughs> yeah, on? Like, yeah. does that mean that we speak 50% of the time, they speak 50% yeah, yeah, of the time? Yeah. Um, that's interesting yeah. waters to kind of navigate. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that we're excited to have more people on the show yeah. and figure out where this thing's going. So how much has the city of Berlin changed since being born here and growing up, does it anything look the same? No, it changed a lot. I really, really have to say it. And it's so international at the moment. And it starts to become even more international. So um, everything has changed in Berlin. You know, I grew up in uh, Prenzlauer Berg. It has changed. Mitte is so, you know, Mitte, the area of Mitte, of the city center, is so international. Sometimes I think, you know, uh, if, when I see the people or when I grab a cup of coffee, I think, you know, that could be in New York or somewhere else because, you know, the people are so international. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. It's like this international community. You know, you get the same food, you get the same drinks, and you like almost the same um, type of um, art or fashion, music, so it's very international. But uh, of course Berlin has so many different areas um, and I think the western part of Berlin doesn't have, or didn't change that much like the eastern part. Mm -hmm. Of course, because of the wall. So they, they had much more to do. <laughs> we built um, houses and things like that. But Berlin is changing a lot and it's becoming very international, very young. And yeah, you have, I think, a quite good atmosphere and spirit. Mm -hmm. and, and do you think this is mostly a positive development? Like, has something been lost in the essence of Berlin as it's becoming more international? Well, I think it's always the same, you know. What I like when I go to different countries or cities that I find something, you know, I want to find out how do live people there, you know, what is their food, what is their fashion. You know, when I'm finding Starbucks or everything <laughs> in the same cities, it's quite boring, you know, it's nothing new. So I don't I never know why people go to Dubai, for instance, for shopping. <laughs> they have the same shopping malls like all over the world. What's the what's what's the big deal about it? I like to find out how you know, for instance, Americans dress or French people. Or that's interesting but, but, and that can inspire me. But in that sense, I think Berlin has done a really good job because you know, yes, there are a few Starbucks, but not as many as, say, London or Paris. Because in Germany, you know. we have a totally different right. uh, coffee yeah. house tradition. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. You but, know, but also, I think there's limits on, like, how many of these companies you can have. 
I don't know if it's limited. I don't think so. But uh, in Germany, we have so many, like the coffee time tradition. It's really, really big. So usually everybody knows how to bake. And um, we eat our own, um, you know, cookies and things like that. So, and usually it's a little bit better than the Starbucks stuff, you know, donuts or what, brownies or muffins. Uh, people get a little bit bored out of it. Mm-hmm. But, um, okay, it's like always the same. You know, on the one hand, if you don't know anything or anybody in the city, mm-hmm. okay, then it's good to have a Starbucks because then, or a McDonald's even, because then you know what to get. Mm-hmm. Okay, it feels safe. But on the other hand, I think uh, all the cities, they have to take care a little bit that they do not lose the, you know, their uh, specific mm-hmm. character. Right, maybe. the flavor and the authenticity yeah. of it. And of course, uh, you know, it's. I think Berlin is one of the cities where you can live in the city center for not a lot of money. I think you can't do that in New York or in Paris or definitely not in London. In Berlin, you can still do it, but the market is changing. So a lot of people are buying houses and um, flats and very a lot of international people, they are buying because the market is, you can't compare it to the market in London or even in New York. Mm -hmm. So that's... They're all expecting growth. Yeah, and definitely, of course, it will go up. It definitely will not go down. So that's... That's why uh, the market is very interesting for invest investment companies or fonds or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that means the structure, of course, is changing. But uh, yeah, we will see what is happening. And um, yeah. Do you remember like when you were first like as a young professional living in Berlin? Like, was was your rent super super cheap? Well, I was very clever because I have to say that. I'm sorry, guys. I have to say that because in Germany, we have the system that you have apartments, you know, which the state is co-financing mm-hmm. because, you know, when uh, investment companies board these um, houses, um, they got the houses, but under the condition that they have cheap rents for mm-hmm. like 10 or 15 years. So, unfortunately, fortunately, not unfortunately, very, very, was very fortunate that I got an apartment out of the system. So, mm-hmm. it's a great apartment and it's, you know, compared to other apartments in the street or in that area, you know, I live at Kolwitzplatz. That's one of the most favorite areas um, in uh, Prenzlauer Berg. So I, you know, was one of the lucky ones who got it. And um, so I have to pay a different price compared to the open market. Mm-hmm. And how did you pull that off? How did, did they get it? No. You know, was, um, <laughs> I, wanted to, I was looking quite um, a lot around um, to find a good apartment. Usually, you know, you find apartments which are, you know, you can't live in. Sorry, that's not, I mean, that's not an apartment. That's not a place to live. It's something else, but definitely not a place to live in. Or, you know, they want to have so much money, which is, you know, out of control and... No. And uh, I found it via um, the newspaper, you know, um, the guy put uh, an ad in it and wrote, you know, a dream apartment. And I thought, sure, it's, you know, <laughs> but, and it was, uh, I think, Easter Sunday. Okay. 
couple of years ago. So I said, okay, you know, come on, I know. <laughs> if I see that ad, that's not sincere, not at all. But um, there's... Um, uh, a guy who was responsible for all these apartments. He had like 15 great apartments on the market who all had this characteristic that, you know, you pay a little bit of lower rent. And oh my Jesus, or, oh my God, I mean, I applied for every. <laughs> and I was uh, very nice and uh, smiling and making jokes. And next time, next morning, I was um, calling again and said, you know, remember me and please put me on the list. And I applied. So sometimes, um, yeah, you have to look around and everybody will find it. It's always in life. You just have to deal with it and then you will find it. But you can find it. So I was lucky. So, I mean, it sounds like you're playing a social game. Um, you understood what this person wanted. Yeah. And then you're calling them multiple times um, to kind of advertise yourself, right? Which kind of connects somewhat to, you know, your work is in communication. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, the competition was quite big. Right. A lot of people who earned much more money or whatever. And uh, I think he, you know, it was him and his colleague. Mm-hmm. And uh, they got all the application forms and uh, I just, um, you know, wanted to make sure that, you know, they have my face and my name in their mind. So, and my boyfriend then, it just told me, you know, give them a call again mm-hmm. so that I do remember. Mm-hmm. And it worked out. So sometimes you do have to, you know, do the extra mile. Sure. That's it. Mm-hmm. So even if uh, some other people have, might have, you know, better chances, uh, it's try to be somehow smart and clever and do something what not everybody does. Probably that helped. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I was lucky. I think. I think what I'm trying to. I'm trying to figure. I put you in a box, you know, it's like, so, so even back then you're kind of using these social communication techniques, you know, being jokey with, uh, you know, showing yourself as being someone that would be worth uh, giving your apartment to. And then now you're doing kind of communication for big companies. There seems to be, I would say you've understood something about either human psychology, human co- communication that has been there throughout much of your career. Am I, am I piecing that together in a way that's fair, maybe? That's a good point you're saying. You know, um, my father is a businessman mm-hmm. and he taught me always talk to people. Mm-hmm. Always talk. And, you know, try to build a connection. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, if it's... Uh, uh, you know, not... Uh, talk to everybody. It doesn't matter who they are or what position they have just talk and uh, I think that's a really good hint to every listener of this podcast (laughs) it's always good talking to people and um, so you get information and you can build up a connection and uh, yeah you might get something out of it and uh, I also learned um, that or an aim should be whenever you talk to somebody you should get something out of it maybe not uh, in short time but in long time but you have to talk and try to be interesting and interested in them or in that person and I guess that helps a lot can we zoom in a bit into like what does that mean in practice so does that mean talk to um, the, the coffee barista or the, the, the taxi driver or the bouncer like 
When you say talk to everyone, what does that look like on a okay? If you talk, of course not always. I can do that, <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, for instance, where I'm living, um, when I'm going on, on during the weekend, I start my uh, weekend routine. That means I get a cup of coffee, I go to the post office, I go to um, some other. Um, Yeah, shops, and uh, they always greet me, and I'm always talk, gossip, gossip a little bit, you know, what's going on, how are you doing, and they all know me with my name, they all say, hi Sandra, how are you doing, yeah. and uh, I like that, yeah. uh, even I talk to the guy who's doing my shoes, so, and he said, hey, you know what, I'm looking for an apartment, and I said, you know what, I'm give me a sheet of paper, I'm gonna write you down, um, because he's uh, not from Germany originally, so he has quite some difficulties to write down an ad. So I helped him and we put it on the window of his uh, shop. And uh, then he said, you know what, I'm doing your shoes for free. And it's just, uh, you know, you yeah. start talking, how are you doing? Ah, oh, okay, how long are you living here? And what's going on? And uh, then you get news. Yeah. But you have to somehow start a relationship or if you talk to somebody who is selling coffee just you know ask for where's the coffee from yeah. oh wow how long are you doing this job and what's your favorite one yeah. just small things not always on purpose mm -hmm. just try to be open and interesting interesting and interested so mm -hmm. both things yeah. and it's yeah. just a small chat nothing more special mm -hmm. and um It's the same when, you know, I'm always doing, I'm dealing a lot with women's issues and women's topics. So I'm writing a column for a German newspaper about um, women and business and finances. And um, I'm going to a lot of events and I do not networking. And I found out, um, especially women, you know, sometimes they think, okay, we are on the same event okay, you do this, I do this, so you have to, you know, next time you're helping me mm -hmm. or you do something for me. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, a little bit of a mistake in thinking. Because sorry, sorry, just to clarify, I didn't follow. Like, are you saying that when women you know, enter I mean, social interaction, they try and clarify? Okay, for instance, we are on a, on a networking event yeah. and it goes around, it's all about business and, uh, you know, a lot, very often I get calls afterwards and people or women want something okay can you do this can you do, give me this number or whatever or you know put me in for this and this and this and what I want to say or try to say it does not work like this because first of all the biggest thing is you have to build up a relationship yeah. it's the same with this coffee man or man who is doing the shoes or whatever build up a relationship yeah. it's just that's you, you can train it while you know communicating and that's the message behind um, when you say talk to people it's just you know learn or train or just build up a relationship can't ask, you know, give me a cup of coffee for free or do my shoes for free or, you know, sure. get me that job. No, it's always actually everywhere in the world. If you do want to do business, you know, people try to get to know you. Who are you? What are your values? What's your family? From where you're from? Who are you? Mm -hmm. And then they do start the business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you can train that perfectly to, you know, talk to your neighborhood and just be open. Mm -hmm. That's the meaning behind it. Mm -hmm. And that works quite well because then people, you know, they like you. And if they like you, they do your favors and you do mm -hmm. them favors. And uh, so that's 
like everything is going on and uh, I learned that and uh, it for me it um, works out pretty well so that's great yeah thanks for sharing I, I can connect with that a lot um, that you know I I've been really interested in some of the evolutionary psychology of um, fatherhood and motherhood and you know this is based on averages of course but this idea that men evolved to have more broad cooperative networks that were maybe more emotionally superficial but they kind of trade on favors and, and women spend more time investing in deep close relationships maybe with the children with the sisters and the family members and when I think of my own upbringing it's like it was my father who kind of taught me how to speak to taxi drivers or interact with all his friends and take care of, like, none of them were, like, deep, meaningful relationships, but superficial, like, hey, I know that guy, you're like, how are you doing, where are you from, oh, I'm from Turkey, cool, and then, like, here, have something for free, and it's kind of, like, it's cooperative and, and broad and, and superficial, and then, you know, my mother is like, hey, this is how you really engage with someone's emotions more deeply. So when you brought up this idea that... Uh, some of the women that you do you coach them or do you no we just go to networking events or just like mm -hmm. uh, you know some companies are doing events and it's all around women should you know get together work together and whatever and sometimes I think people misunderstand it because you know they don't understand that you, first of all you have to build up a relationship right. and it's just it's And that does not mean just because I know you, you're obliged to help me. Right. It's not a, this is not a system. And, uh, but, but do you think it, women have more difficulty with this type of networking? Is that what you're saying? In your sometimes experience? they think, okay, now we are in the same network organization. Okay, now we do the business together. Right, okay. okay. Like skipping some steps in a way. Yeah, and it doesn't, no. Because first, and a lot of women, they do the mistake... And this is what men, I think, I think, are doing better. Usually, if you ask somebody, "Can you do me a favor?" you also have to offer somehow yeah. something. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And a lot of women, you know, especially young women, they forget it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, because in the business world, it's, we don't, don't don't talk about friendship or family. That's sure. something totally different. Yeah. But in the business world, it's more. But okay, you know, you have to think about. Okay, if I want that person to help me, how can I help them? Yeah, yeah. That's the second thought you have to do. What can I offer them? Yeah. Okay, how can I help you? Mm -hmm. What can I do for you? Yeah. Or send him something. Or be, and that's also build up a relationship. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was very interesting, and I made the experience. So, so but why, why do you think that is? Like, um, do, do you have a theory for why men... I you have more intuition for that I think this women yeah that's a very good question um, I think uh, in our world it's a more especially the business world we talk about the business world it's more a man's business world so that world is uh, built up to how men think how they work how they uh, do the competition and uh, that's built up to their rules and um, thinking so and the more women start to deal with it or maybe to change it they have to understand how the system works yeah. mm -hmm. and 
uh, I think it, they now start to learn it. Mm-hmm. But uh, like the two basic rules are talk and you know second build up a relationship, mm-hmm. and that means you know um, try to be interesting and interested, yeah. and also think about if you ask for a favor, what I can I do that. for you mm-hmm. or for the other person? It doesn't have to yeah. be huge or whatever, but. Um, Yeah, in Germany, we say um, one hand washes the other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly you have to keep in mind. It's not always, um, you know, right away, but mm-hmm. you always have to keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. So everybody, you know, wants. Of course, we are helping, and uh, but everybody likes to um, get spoiled also. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, so when you when you were starting out in your career, was it? It sounds like your father had a very big influence on you and kind of learning these traits or these these ways of interacting with people and communicating. Do you feel like it, when you were starting out working, you were like, oh, I, I don't really know how the system works? Did you feel like there was a high learning curve, or did you kind of just throw yourself into it and, and figure it out as you went? Both, I think. I mean, I also have a strong mother and grandmother, and um, but my father was very successful, mm-hmm. so and um, that's why I always was asking. My brother is totally different. He's not asking. He's doing his own stuff. But uh, I'm always asking a lot of people when I need to learn or want to be inspired. So because I think um, it's always good to look how do people uh, how are people things no how are people doing things so mm-hmm. and it was both I mean of course I think you always have to do your own experiences and you learn it's always learning by doing it's not learning by reading or by doing workshops or uh, doing you know taking classes the best is always do learning by doing And uh, I, I did both. I was asking, but also asking friends or other colleagues, mm-hmm. uh, partners I'm working with. So, and that's really inspiring. Yeah, absolutely. Did you have like a big mentor kind of growing up? First, at, at the beginning, it was my father because mm-hmm. he was always supporting me. Um, I also went to a, a girls' school. So we, yes, a women's school, you know, a school where um, we had 95% only girls. Okay. It was a special school for languages, so, and maybe we have been treated differently. So it was clear, just because you're a woman or a girl, it doesn't mean that you can't achieve certain things. Mm -hmm. And maybe, um, yeah, I... um, Yeah, I was uh, trained already from uh, a, a small age like this. And my, I always learned just uh, why shouldn't I have a piece of the cake? You know, a good piece, mm-hmm. a big one, why not? So where is the difference? Or why shouldn't I have it? So, And of course, it sounds not very strong and powerful, but um, of course, like everybody um, has it. Um, fears and a lot of obstacles and just because you want it doesn't mean that other people want it too. So, yeah. But it's always good if you have somebody who's pushing you and uh, doesn't criticize you but gives you power and encourages you. That's really, really important. It doesn't matter who it is. Mm-hmm. If it's your teacher or your boyfriend, girlfriend or a family 
or a mentor from school or university, but it's good if you have somebody who is believing in you. That's the best. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think um, sometimes we look at other people and say, oh, you know, they have it so easy because uh, they have a huge fortune or whatever. Um, you know, they don't have to struggle by themselves. But um, every obstacle or every conflict you can solve, it gives you a lot of um, self-respect <laughs> and it makes you stronger. Even if it's harder, but whenever you achieve something by yourself, you grow. And that's really, really important. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like for everyone, no matter what their upbringing is, where they come from, everyone has a set of problems that they're kind of faced with in their in their career, in their life. And it's the journey and the struggle of overcoming these problems. And I, I do agree with what you're saying, like how you it gets easier as it goes along, even though you have these waves of self-doubt and self-criticism. And there's times you think, oh, I can't do anything and everything I'm doing is wrong. And then times where you feel super strong and you're like I can do anything and it's always riding the wave and and figuring out a way to go around it. And I think it's a good training effect. For instance when you go back to what I said before talk to people even if it's you know the, the coffee guy or whatever mm. you know for instance if you do business and you need to talk to a very important CEO if you don't know how to talk to people yeah. I mean yeah. if you talk a hundred times to people then of course it's easier to talk to somebody who might be really important it's the same with negotiation the more you have to negotiate the easier it gets because it's always a training effect or flirting you know if you go out and you flirt um, it's easier you know to flirt with everybody at the beginning so you get used to it and you know how to feel how it feels and what works out what doesn't work out and then if you find a man or woman of your life then it's easier because you are not so afraid anymore and that is uh, you can't start on top you always have to go like every step by step there's something um there's this concept called a growth mindset it's by carol dweck i don't know if you've heard of her and kind of reading about that really changed the way i think about kind of my life progression because you know kind of central to that idea is doing anything for the first time is really hard And the first time you do anything, it's going to be the worst you're at it ever. So if you try something new, you have to be really bad at it because that's the only way in which you get better at it. But this idea of the growth mindset, because I used to think I'm not going to do something until I know I'm good at it. And then I'll practice in private and then I'll go out and do it, you know, and then it won't be embarrassing or shameful. But, you know, Carol Dweck said the growth mindset, like, well, no, you know, go do it, fail. See that that's part of the process. Pick yourself up, try again, fail. And over time, over the course of a career, 10, 20 years, then you're speaking to CEOs and you become very comfortable at it. So for anybody out there who's like, oh, yeah, I need to talk to more people, it's like, yeah, it's going to be awkward the first time you do it. It's not going to be comfortable, but that's the only way you get better at it. Of course, I, I agree. I totally agree. Yeah. And uh, for instance, I mean, in Berlin, we have a huge startup scene. And uh, we always hear about uh, these success stories. You know, they get so much money, they sell the company. And 
But we only see the top, yeah. and we, what we don't see is yeah. very often how many years yeah. people worked for it, and how often they failed, and mm. uh, that's the the big issue. Usually, you know, if you talk to people who are very famous or whatever, they just talk about the success, yeah. but we, you never see, you know, the work uh, which has been done before. Yeah, the fear, the insecurity, the yeah. struggle, the self doubt, the repeated failure. That's just like the bottom of the iceberg. That's in Yeah, and for instance, my brother, I have a brother, and he was a professional sports swimmer. Mm-hmm. And uh, he won a gold and silver medal in swimming at the European Championship. But you know what? And then at, at the age of 20, he stopped because he was really tired. Mm-hmm. But every morning, like for 15 years, he was training, training, training. So that meant yeah. every morning going with the bike to the um, stadium mm-hmm. and uh, do some school then do swimming two hours then do you know um, cross training for another two hours so that meant like four to five hours besides school of training for 10 15 years every day yeah. and uh, then you might have the chance to be on the you know, get a medal, but uh, it's for years. A lot of, you know, so many friends started with him and they all quit and he was the only one who, you know, has, was left at the end and he won, but it's not just, I mean, it's so much energy, it's boring, it's awful and there's no glamour, nothing. It's just sports and training, training, training. And not even knowing if you uh, can get it or not. Right. So and that's with the same. Even if you're a professional singer or actor or whatever, you only see wow, George Clooney made it. <laughs> and, uh, what we don't see is uh, yeah. probably he tried out a lot uh, too. So yeah, absolutely. If you could like transform that into a piece of advice like you know the, you know, hopefully people at the factory are going to listen to this podcast I think we'd like to advertise it to the factory and like hey you know because you're in the factory you know, of course the factory having a conversation and there's a lot of people trying new things for the first time and a lot of people who maybe launch and after a few months don't see that it's going exactly the way they want it so that maybe they quit or something but like given your life experience in that domain and you know the, your story about your brother now what is a concrete piece of advice for people starting something new? Um, first of all, I would say, uh, usually if you have a company, they say after three, it takes until at least three years until a company or a business starts work out. Yeah. So it takes a couple of years. And forget all these successful stories, which uh, people are saying that uh, after two months, we have 40 employees. <laughs> it's not true. Yeah. There's somehow a mistake and find a mistake. Um, like I said, when we, you know, put it together, talk to people. Um, to put, you know, every new thing is difficult at the beginning. And you only get better if you start or continue doing it. Doesn't matter what it is, but that's actually um, the big deal. You know, try to be patient and try to be disciplined, and uh, then it will work out. 
or something other will come out of it. Yeah. That's also a thing. Yeah. It doesn't mean everything is developing also, even a business yeah. or a relationship where everything is developing, but you have to deal with it. And if you are stopping, you don't, you know, nothing can develop. It doesn't mean that it has to stay um, like it started. You know, we have it with a lot of businesses. Mm -hmm. When you start a business and you want to say, okay, I want to wanna sell um, whatever, and that's my business concept, it doesn't mean uh, that it will still be the same yeah. at the end. Usually everything starts developing and that's a process. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I, I started one company a few years ago and it always fascinates me today how the end product of what we had at launch was so different to what we imagined we were going to produce you know a year and a half earlier it's not the same thing I mean, like you can see how it eventually turned into that but you can have to come to terms with that you know? yeah and I also you know I do give uh, I'm a guest lecturer at a business school here in, in Berlin and uh, I do communication and presentation so how to present yourself mm -hmm. and how to talk to other people and um, what I learned every good or every successful person usually is also a good speaker mm -hmm. they know how to speak and that's what I said at the end or at the beginning mm -hmm. uh, talk to people and try to you know get in touch or in contact with other people mm -hmm. it's really uh, not that easy you know when I go out or I have uh, I have to go to events Very often I have to go there by myself and that always feels uncomfortable yeah. because you don't know anybody and it's business and it's a lot of work, both, because somehow, you know, you have to get into interaction with other people because if not, I mean, it's... So even for you, after of years course, of doing this, it's, it's still uncomfortable going to those events? Of course, because oh, many have... <laughs> <laughs> it's all, yeah, because you feel... Yeah. Once you're it, there, it's okay, though. It's like you start and if you start to talk, yeah, but yeah, usually yeah. It's, it's not easy. That's okay. why a lot of people, you know, are very shy of doing it and yeah. don't like to yeah. do it because it's work, you know. It's You have to be active and you have to talk to people and you have to, you know, know maybe in advance who do I want to talk to and what should I get out, out of it because it takes a lot of time it's energy it's in the can, can you drill into that a bit more so I mean we've talked about the value of communication of talking to people but can we can we zoom in a bit more in you know how to present yourself specifically or what to talk about like how, how do you form that relationship where people want to work with you Okay. Not in the abstract sense of favor for favor, like a bit... Of know, course. Yeah. The first thing you always have to have in mind is um, who is there and what's actually the event, what's all about and mm -hmm. what kind of people will be there. You have to make that in your mind, okay? And then, secondly, you have to find out what is my aim, why am I going going there? Is, mm -hmm. is it just, you know, get to know uh, other business people, maybe it's um, getting a job or do I just want to, do you just want to have fun? Mm -hmm. 
Okay, it depends. What's what's the purpose and what is your? So aim? have your goals in mind. You have to, yeah. yeah, just prepare yourself. It's always uh, preparation is the most important thing, and uh, also. So before I, you go on an event, you go like, okay, why am I going? Why am I going? What are my where? goals? And then that's getting. Who's there? Who's, Who's there? be yeah. there? What could be a chance? And it's yeah. like a preparation. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I learned, even if you're shy or whatever, try to overcome it and be very full of energy and positive and uh, try to prevent that you're not shy. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, it's the normal, most normal thing in the world that you are going there alone. Mm-hmm. So where's the, the problem? Of course, you know, just have that in your mind and try to pretend it. Put yourself in the mind that you go there and you're open and then just say hello how are you doing and uh, I'm Sandra it's very interesting I really like the fact that the speaker or about the keynote or whatever and whatever what are you doing and then you just you know figure out is it interesting or not and uh, it's always good um, yeah try I mean, find a bit a relationship, but I learned it's always good to put you in the mindset. Mm-hmm. Okay, even if you're alone, it doesn't matter. You're going to be very positive, self-confident and full of energy and you go there. Because, of course, I know by myself as well, sometimes you, you feel uncomfortable or you're tired again doing all that mm-hmm. stuff and we're um, all human. I mean, everybody is shy. And yeah. uh, it's not the nicest thing to go to people who you don't know. Yeah. I, I used to play a game with myself, which was, you know, back before, you know, even at university, I was terrified of talking to strangers, you know, women in a dating context or people in like a more uh, business context or anything. And now the game was like, okay, look, you've got to talk to three strangers today. That's it. You know, three different groups. If you've done that, great. You can go home. <laughs> no, that's good. You have to yeah, give yourself... Some, you know, some little helps, helps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I learned really, if you go, you have to be really concentrated and focused. Okay, mm-hmm. you're gonna be here, and you're gonna make yeah. uh, the best out of it. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. But uh, I think I learned, even if you're tired or bored. If you stay there and try to get in touch with other people, uh, it will work out mm-hmm. somehow. Mm-hmm. And at the end, you're gonna be you're gonna feel good. Mm-hmm. Okay, so to distill it, we've got positivity, energy. Obviously, you approach them, you ask them questions. What else? What else is there to like forming a good networking bond? Well, like I said, don't expect too much. Yeah. You know, just uh, um, a couple of years ago, we all started to exchange these little business cards. I hate that. (laughs) Nobody nobody likes that anymore. It doesn't matter if you have five or ten cards. I mean, that's why what I said. Think about being up a relationship. You know, try to find something interesting. Mm. Okay, okay. If you have something to sell, and the other person is interested in, okay, good. And if you don't have it, then, um, you know, maybe this guy or this person, you know, has something interested about, or you have an interesting hobby or whatever, okay? I will always suggest don't expect too much. 
and forget all these business cards you know first of all find out if there's something somehow a connection or something interesting right. and if there is okay that sounds really interesting maybe we can you know back, get back in touch or maybe yeah. you know meet up for lunch and talk yeah. but don't expect too much and don't put yourself under pressure and the aim is not to collect as many business cards as you can get because nobody yeah. takes care yeah. and also sometimes I'm a and I you know don't remember who was that person or why yeah. is it helpful yeah. so It's more like a lottery, okay? Sure. Be prepared, get the right mindset, don't expect too much, but be open and try to build some relationship. And also, I think, um, give um, people time to talk to. Mm -hmm. Sometimes a lot of people are very superficial. Yeah. And, okay, I need to talk to 10 people. And then the, the, the talks um, are very superficial. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, and that doesn't bring you anything or doesn't give you anything. Because people will not remember you and uh, you don't really know why did I talk to that these people. So I would say preparation first. Okay, look at the conference or event or whatever and try to find out who is there, who could might be interesting for me or helpful to me. And then just, you know, start, okay, what could I talk or what could I ask for or what could I present or... Is that preparation time? If you don't know it, okay, try to find out by yourself what is my purpose or why should I be there or why should I, why am I going there? Mm -hmm. If you don't know the people or that. if you are there, you know, try to be positive mm -hmm. and really uh, active and be focused and concentrated. Okay, you're there and it's business and now you have to work like one hour or whatever. And uh, I think the third thing is don't be too superficial. Try somehow to build a relationship. But I think it's better if you just talk maybe to two people than talking to ten people. And, um, so I'm the conversation is flowing and it's going well. But it's like, oh no, I've got to leave in 30 minutes. I should talk to five more people. Don't do that. Stay in the current conversation. I, I would, I would yeah. suggest so, okay. yes. Yeah. Because um, in my, from my experience, you know, if you have five business cards or even five new LinkedIn contacts, it doesn't sure. bring you anything. Sure. Even if you have the product to sell, you have to explain. Mm -hmm. And like I said, you need to build up somehow a relationship. Mm -hmm. And what you can also do is uh, always say, you know what, um, Murphy, it's really interesting talking to you. I really would like to continue. You know, maybe we, um, you know, meet for a coffee or for lunch and uh, talk about this one aspect you mentioned I'm interested. Or maybe you can send me some information or can I send you something? But don't expect too much mm -hmm. because the time is too short. Right. So, um, and very often, even if you go alone, um, very often um, you're going to meet people you have seen somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So it's like you're in, a com in, a co in, in your community, so yeah, yeah. you're going to meet people. And yeah. then the third time, okay, you see somebody else and you say, ah, I've met here at this conference or event, and then you have somebody to talk to. So it's always all about building up a relationship. So, you know, for instance, if you would um, say something to me and we would meet on an event and uh, you would, you know, want to convince me 
And you give me, give yourself one minute. I mean, <laughs> there's my card. Right. Call me Richardson. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. yeah. well, everyone's had these situations where you get treated like a product. And it's like, all right, how can I, you just kind of feel used after these interactions. And it's not nice. It's like you didn't get treated like a human being. You didn't like, you can tell when someone's talking at you instead of talking to you. And if that's or something scripted, they like said this to a hundred different people, and right? Like, and that, but they're just adding your name in front of every sentence. I mean, it depends what you're selling, yeah. But yeah. usually, uh, it, it's not working out. It's my experience. I mean, you have to go to these events and to show up and per accident get to know people, get used to it, you know, get to know uh, faces and uh, personalities or information, get information, but uh, don't stress too much. And it's the same what you said at the beginning. At first, it's very hard. And, you know, you have to struggle a lot. You hate it and you are not uh, good in it. But after your 10th event, yeah. you know, you know what, what will be and... Uh, Yeah, well, and I think I like what you said earlier about, about fear. Fear is always there. Even though you're a communication and presenter expert, you still have butterflies when you go up there to speak. And that that's super normal. And I think sometimes we have these, these very unrealistic expectations. It's like, all right, I've done this 10 times or I've done this 100 times. Why, is it, why do I still have this fear? And some people, I think, get paralyzed by, by fear. And that... I probably don't have a talent here. Right. This is not my field. I better quit. Right. Yeah, that's, that's the wrong way. But you're yeah. totally right. Yeah. And, uh, and, but the more you put yourself in a situation, you, the more you get used to it. You yeah. know how Exposure. it feels. And then what happens then, you can play with it. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's the same. You are doing a workshop and everybody has to present themselves mm -hmm. probably you know you have 10 people in a room or 20 people in the room and you're at the end of course everybody gets nervous what am I saying and but if you have it done uh, once a week or once yeah. a day then you know yeah. hello my name is and uh, then you can start you know testing mm -hmm. or using a joke or whatever yeah. and Uh, that's always practice 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 what do we say we say it's uh, success is one um, percent inspiration and 99 percent uh, yeah transpiration so yeah, it's yeah a lot of trial and error yeah. but like I have a specific question to kind of shift topics a little bit um Like, so you are writing a column currently for the Berlin Zeit? No, it's for the uh, business magazine Bilanz, and it's published at uh, welt.de uh, mm -hmm. for the um, online um, version of welt.de. Welt, welt is a huge um, uh, newspaper in Germany. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so, like, for in your personal experience, like, as journalism has become digitalized, um, how, how have you dealt with like feedback and these awful comments and stuff like what is what is your experience with it because especially you know a lot of what we've talked about is these these face-to-face -face interactions and how it's been very important for your life and your career but now we've kind of transformed more into a digital marketplace has just grown and come up uh, yeah it's a very good question um, one point is uh, in the digital media business uh, 
um, you have to somehow get the attention. So you need to get topics where you know that people, you know, will discuss it. Because it's all about clicks in the, in the digital world, you know. You need to get some of the attention or the focus, the interest. So, and, and when I'm writing a column, of course, it's my personal opinion. Mm -hmm. And of course, it's a little bit more uh, straight to the point. And um, my last column, I got like 120, uh, 172 comments. And, you know, at Welt, you can always say, yes, I agree or disagree. I think a 90% disagreed. <laughs> <laughs> and what was, was the comment? Sorry, what was the post on? It was actually curious. about East Germans and uh, uh, leadership gene. Okay. So, and, of course, um, it's a lot of... It's a very emotional topic. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, But it was shared a lot. Mm -hmm. So, and uh, regarding the comments and hate speech and, uh, yeah, actually I try to avoid dealing with it and reading it because um, how do you deal with it emotionally though because you know I've, I've written uh, posts or like articles and you get a lot of negative feedback of course people telling you the, the worst of the worst of course that's <laughs> how, why how do, you, how do you deal with that um, actually a friend of mine always is checking before <laughs> I know okay people are saying that 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 At the, at the beginning, when I started, I was so afraid of yeah. reading it. And, um, you know, people try to get in touch with you, so they search for your email or they write on Facebook, LinkedIn, they try to get in touch with you. But that's the way you have to deal with it. But, uh, you know, usually people are very hard and negative and uh, unfair. Yeah. So don't read it too much. I mean... It's, don't take it personal. Even at the beginning, like we said, it's always hard, but the more you get used to it, yeah. you know who's, uh, you know, writing stuff. And it's it's always the same, but I always try not, try not to go too deep into it. And I try to avoid to read it too much. Mm -hmm. Because... Like we said, we all know the circumstances these comments are written. Sometimes, of course, you get good um, input. And I try to, you know, get it into my mind to uh, make it next time better. But usually I try to be, to save um, myself. Yeah. But, but, okay, in this case you had, what was it, 95% down, 95% up. Like, how do you not go, ah, well, I'm probably wrong here, I should change my mind. No, I knew that, because, okay. of course, it was a provocation. Okay. So, and like I said, I, I, there are some topics, you know, if you, for instance, write about migration, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if you write about women in business or women and men, and or maybe uh, it depends um, in which part of the world you're living, there are certain topics which I really, really discussed. Or if I would write about a column pro-Trump, mm -hmm. of course, course you can imagine uh, the reactions right. so you know and uh, so when it's a topic that's controversial and you should expect a lot of negative feedback and if you do get negative feedback don't worry about it it's just a bunch of it's like if a column is a piece is an opinion piece so and I think uh, for me it's good if people talk about it yeah. because yeah. then I know okay sometimes some of my topic was yeah. right 
Yeah. You know, yeah. it's it uh, strike the nerve. Mm-hmm. Sure. So that was, you know, if you do something, uh, it's good if people discuss about it. But if you write something and nobody's how, how discussing you know, it. How do you know you're not being like Trump? Like, uh, not you specifically, but Trump is very good at poking at the right wounds and everyone's talking about it all the time. And he could say, well, look, at least people are talking about these issues. Maybe there was a thing, like in the US, that, or maybe in our society, that um, we have like a political correctness thing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people have the feeling we can't say certain things. Yeah. And of course, people are using that. Mm-hmm. It's like a provocation. And uh, that's, of course, you have an issue. Sure. And then everybody, you get a reaction sure. from left or right. So that's a system behind it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you talk about that uh, blue sky is nice, okay, then you will not get any reaction. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. if you say something about the sun and uh, climate change, Yeah. And I guess uh, uh, Trump in the US he used certain topics which might, you know, it was not PC to talk about yeah. or to address it in a certain way. And um, yeah, you have always people who maybe don't feel respected by the media or society or whatever and they think, okay, sure, it's good that somebody is saying the truth, what mm-hmm. they think is the truth. Right. That's, it's a system behind it. So. Sorry, maybe this is a tricky question, but like, so what I'm hearing is on one side, um, provocation can be a good thing, kind of get a conversation going, at least point at the areas where um, political correctness maybe isn't helping dialogue. On the other hand, you know, your work is in communication specifically. It's, it's about, uh, as far as I understood it, like helping companies kind of communicate towards the outside world, towards other businesses. Now, if I'm hearing that a business is like, oh no, I don't want to be provoking people. You know, how, how do you, do you see where I'm going? It's like, how do you make that balance between like, do you provoke people for good dialogue or do you maybe protect the image of a company and like be super PC, like, It depends yeah. on the aim, you okay. know. It, yeah. it always depends uh, what you are standing for, what are your values, what your your aims, mm-hmm. you know. If you sell a certain um, product, I mean, remember all marketing and uh, commercials, we always say it's the best, it helps, and they exaggerate a lot. Mm-hmm. But if you, uh, for instance, I did a lot for uh, um, charity institutions, they always needed money. Yeah to uh, finance a certain project, uh, project. So they need to get money from everybody, from institutions. So, And then, of course, to, you, you focus on um, certain topics, you know, what you can do with that money, helping children, for right, instance, right. helping children from, world, from abroad who needs uh, to get um, a heart operation or something like that. So you have to find out what is the emotional aspect which triggers mm-hmm. people. And it always depends what is your aim, uh, who do you need, who do you address. Okay. So that means in communication, it's always, and I said it before when we talked about going to an event, mm-hmm. first of all, think who is the audience? Mm-hmm. What do they know already about my topic? You know, what do they expect from me? Mm-hmm. And uh, what do I want? 
You know, I mean, do I want to inform them? Do I want to motivate people? Do I want to convince people? You have to do that up in your mind. And then if you have something like, what is my thesis? Okay, what is my opinion or what is my slogan? Okay, and then you find your arguments. Argument one, second, third, find counter arguments and, uh, and put everything in a nice story. It's always, um, as you know, all the word storytelling. Mm -hmm. It's not a fact. It's about more the emotion. Okay, what can you do with the product? How can it help you? Or, um, you know, make your life more easy? Or you can achieve this and this and this and this. But it's always um, think about who is my audience. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly the same. Well, um, thank you so much for coming. I think that's our time up. Um, it's been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for having me here. It was so great to talk to you. And um, yes, I hope that all the listeners, you know, <laughs> got entertained and learned <laughs> something. Hello, and thank you for listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Art of the Conversation. Um, it was our first time having guest on Sandra Popst. Um, hope you enjoyed the show. And if you have any feedback for us or would like to rate, review, or subscribe wherever you happen to be listening to podcasts, we would greatly appreciate it. Have a wonderful day. Ciao.